Blog Talk Radio. Call to reach me personally, and we'll set up a, 
uh, uh, time for you to come on the show and tell us about your program and your ministry. But I see our phone line is lighting up here. But I, uh, I would just like to take a moment here and just make mention of Black History Month. This show has been set aside to uh, to share some information regarding our men and women that went before us. Last week we had one, uh, a young lady on uh, from Black History Month, Dr. Mayo Angelo. She was on. Uh, a recorded message. I don't know her personally. I know I know a lot of people, but I don't know her personally. <laughs> and plus, she's no longer around. But uh, but now we got uh, a George Washington Carver. And you know, when I was growing up, I heard about people like that, and they said, "Wow, man, that's what makes me want to do some things." We're gonna talk about some of our uh, past patriarchs, but we're gonna also bring it home and talk about some people that are doing some things currently. You know, and we want to make mention of Black History Month. You know, as we look around, the world is just so messed up. Nobody even thinking about Black History. Nobody even thinking about their own history. Nobody even thinking about tomorrow. Oh, that's awesome, man. That is terrible. You know, we see young men and women that have gave up on life. We see old people that are giving up on life. But I'll let you know that you do have a future. You do have plans that God has for you, but you have to be involved in that. Uh, again, our phone line is uh to the studio is 310-982-4126. And uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, play excerpts of uh, George Washington Carver. Then we're going to get back with you, Charlotte. Kick back and relax. And, uh, again, you're listening to Free on the Inside with Minister Joel Lewis. Looking forward to uh, you being a part of this program each and every week. Tell somebody about what's going on here and help change your life in Jesus' name. I believe that 
that the end of the line has not been reached on what he uncovered. But Carver's legacy goes far beyond his accomplishments with what was called at the time the lowly goober. He toiled for more than 40 years in his laboratory at Tuskegee Institute in Alabama and is credited with countless breakthroughs in agricultural research. The impact of that was just astonishing. Carver, through the kind of research he did, was able to really lead the revitalization, really, of a whole region, the southern region. He really is one of the great American heroes. If there's anyone you're going to learn about, you should learn about, you know, Carver would be one of those people. George Carver was born into slavery in 1864 in Diamond Grove, Missouri. He was the property of Moses Carver. Towards the end of the Civil War, Southern bushwhackers raided the Carver's farm and kidnapped baby George and his mother. Moses Carver hired a Union scout named John Bentley to trace after them and try to recover his property. Bentley was able to find baby George and the mother Mary was never seen again. We do not know what happened. George was near death when he was found. Moses and his wife took care of him like he was their own child. Too frail to work in the fields, he helped out with the household chores. It was on this farm that he had spare time to go out and wander in the woods and enjoy nature and become very close to nature. He would look at a briar, he would look at the soil, he would look at the different leaf patterns and question and question and wonder and ask why. Why are things like this? George was inspired to paint after visiting a neighbor's home and seeing works of art for the first time. So he came back, created his own brushes with twigs, and he would take nature's berries and grasses and create colors, an array of colors, and begin to paint. Young George Carver's inventiveness and hunger for learning compelled him to seek what was impossible for many African Americans of his day formal education. Around the age of 11, he left the Carver farm and walked 10 miles to Neosho, Missouri, determined to attend classes at the Lincoln School for Negro Children. He worked for his room and board at the home of Mariah and Andrew Watkins, who lived next door to the school. The story is that at lunch hour, he would jump the fence between the school and Aunt Mariah's house and go over and help her with her laundry. Many years later, George was inspired to draw this picture of the school and the Watkins house. George studied hard and got his high school diploma. He applied to Highland College in Kansas and was accepted. It was a big moment. Then he went to Highland and he showed up and they said, we didn't know you were black and they turned him away. It was a huge disappointment. George didn't give up. In his mid-twenties, he applied to Simpson College in Iowa, where blacks were allowed. He was accepted and began taking classes in painting. His first love was art, and he had a teacher, his name was Etta Budd. She was very dubious about whether a black could make it in art. It was a near impossibility. And she was a little 
concerned about him being, he was, he was not the first black at Simpson, but he was the only one at the time. Carver's complex understanding of nature came through in his paintings and drawings at Simpson. Etta Bud noticed this talent and encouraged him to change his course of study to horticulture. Carver took her advice and transferred to the Iowa State College of Agriculture in Ames, where he became the first black student. He had some trouble with dining room privileges and other things, but he overcame them by his knowledge, which was so conspicuously immense that you didn't have to be in his presence very long to realize that this man knew things. When Carver completed his bachelor's degree, Iowa State officials offered him a teaching position. The first black student in the college's history was now its first African-American professor. Though Carver was content at Iowa State, in April 1896, he was offered an opportunity that would change his life forever. Booker T. Washington, a leader among the newly freed slave population in the South, invited him to come to Tuskegee Institute, an all-black college in Alabama. When Booker T. became aware of Carver, that there was an agricultural expert in the country anywhere who was black, that was huge. He was really the only one in the whole country. Booker T. badly wanted someone like that. At the age of 31, George Washington Carver had found his true calling. He went to Alabama with a mission to help a once enslaved population find its way to self-sufficiency. Little did he know what landmark discoveries lay ahead. One of George Washington Carver's closest friends at Iowa State was James Wilson, who would later become Secretary of Agriculture under President William McKinley. George Washington Carver Tech will return on Modern Marvels. peanut farms thrive in the United States, most of them in the South. Virtually all of them have taken root in the past century, thanks to the horticulture professor who ventured to Tuskegee with a sense of mission in 1896. When George Washington Carver arrived by rail in Alabama, he saw no peanut fields. Instead, he was dismayed to see only one crop growing in the dry, sandy soil. 1794, Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin. And from that date on into 1900, cotton was king. Carver knew that a single crop system was not good for the soil. Any time in agriculture you base your economy on one single crop, you're vulnerable. In a fertility standpoint, you're depleting the soil and maybe not returning all the nutrients there that is taken. Carver also recognized that the only thing more vulnerable than the nutrient-deficient soil was the multitude of poor black sharecroppers working in the cotton fields from sunrise to sunset. They were tied into the industrial system in the northeast where they had the mills, cotton mills, and it was a big system and they were all captive in it. 
anxious to get to work to solve the South's agricultural dilemma. But when he arrived at Tuskegee Institute, he discovered that he didn't even have a laboratory in which to work. And Tuskegee had no money to properly establish one. So he went out into a local junkyard and found old pots and pans and spoons and took his students and said, we are now collecting the implements for our laboratory. He was the absolute first person to bring science to Tuskegee University. He was one of those great visionaries that, you know, when Booker T. Washington shows him this campus and there's, there is no agricultural college, there's, there's nothing, you know, he, he had the ability to, to take nothing and make it into something. And, and I think that, you know, his life was a great example of that. Carver started reaching out to the farmers in the area, showing them how the cotton they grew year after year was sapping the nitrogen and other nutrients from the soil. He encouraged them to plant crops that would restore these important elements back into the land. Crops like sweet potatoes, cow peas, soybeans, and peanuts. He was another one who came here because he cared about the man furthest down. He cared about the poor. He cared about the African-American people who were poor in the rural areas. And as such, he took his science to the people. Carver designed and implemented what he called a movable school to educate the farmers about crop rotation. Then he took his message to heart, but few acted on his advice. The farmers agreed, but they did not immediately heed because they could not get loans at the bank for any crop except cotton. Yeah, it was the cash crop at the time, and a lot of people, that was their source of income, and it would have been very difficult for those farmers, especially the poorer farmers, to change over from cotton to peanuts, and there was no market at the time for peanuts. Carver's concern for southern agriculture wasn't restricted to how cotton was bankrupting the soil. Another threat was lurking menacingly on the horizon. The bull weevil the dreaded insect that had already decimated the cotton crops in Texas was making its way across the South. And it was moving through Mississippi, Louisiana, and headed to Alabama and Georgia at the rate of about 100 miles per year. And he warned them. There was no stopping this devastating force of nature. The weevil actually lays its eggs inside the unripe cotton bowl and the newborns eat their way out, destroying the crop in the process. Carver believed the South's best defense against the bull weevil was the peanut, but he had to convince Southern farmers that peanuts could become the cash crop that King Cotton had been for so long. George Washington Carver uh, really became an evangelist for peanut growing in the southeast part of the United States. In 1902, Carver entered his lab at Tuskegee to begin intense research into the peanut. He explored its properties and looked for ways to put the protein and vitamin-rich crop to use. Peanuts are made up of oils, resins, fats, sugars, and starches. And Carver came up with more than 300 new uses for them in recipes and in a variety of synthetic applications. Paper and ink and shoe polish and floor wax and axle grease. And he did have uh, some kind of a peanut plastic that he'd made. And all of these uses, 300 of them, all the way from various soups to 
and cream. He built the foundation block upon which peanuts were ushered in. As Carver predicted, in 1915, the bull weevil hit the southeastern farms and completely destroyed the cotton fields. None of the farmers from Georgia or Alabama could pay off the loans on their land. But thanks to Carver's zealous advocacy, peanuts were poised to become a viable commercial alternative to cotton. By 1917, cotton was dethroned and peanuts was lifted up as acreage increased in the southeast 400% in just two years. As peanut power spread across... Liberty Mutual saved us almost $800 when we switched our auto and home insurance. Liberty Mutual Insurance. All right, what a great interview that we had that with Mr. George Washington Carver as we talked about him. We're going to pick that up again, once again, and we'll be back with you shortly to open up some phone lines to hear what's on your mind. We are honoring Black History Month, so keep back and enjoy the remainder of this program with George Washington Carver. Carver promoted peanut oil as an effective lubricant to be used in vigorous massage treatments for those suffering from muscular disorders. including those crippled by polio, came to Tuskegee to receive peanut oil massages. Even more wrote to Carver to purchase the oil. While it was never considered a cure for any disease, those who underwent the treatment reported encouraging results. Word of Carver's promising work made it all the way to the White House. One of the extractions that he did with the peanut, uh, one of our presidents, Roosevelt, used it for his infantile paralysis. In 1942, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt made an official visit to Tuskegee. He greeted Carver in person and applauded the research being done on the Alabama campus. I'm proud to come to Tuskegee because I'm proud of what Tuskegee has done. product that many mistakenly attribute to him. Peanut butter. Peanut butter as we know it in America was basically invented in 1890 by a physician in Missouri. Um, and he was looking for high protein, nutritious foods uh, to feed his patients who had trouble eating meat because they had poor dental health. The first real introduction to the masses for peanut butter happened in 1904 at the Universal Exposition in St. Louis, and that's when really peanut butter was introduced to the American public. And then this complemented and augmented uh, George Washington Carver's research at that time. The two are not unconnected because he had done, laid the foundation, even though he didn't invent peanut butter. He had laid the foundation for raising up and digging deep into the kernel and chemically telling the world what a wonderful food product peanut was. His love of peanuts helped to really promote its usage widespread. Um, and I think that, you know, he would be very happy to see how his legacy has really taken shape in modern-day America. basically take a peanut that George Washington Carver helped develop and build in the field and help it grow to what it is today uh, to the point that we now buy the peanut, we shell the peanut, and then we offer a service to customers who then further process it. 
Harvard would no doubt be pleased with the assembly line efficiency of modern peanut processing plants, like Golden Peanut in Dawson, Georgia. We sell about 25 tons an hour of peanuts. Takes about a truckload an hour to supply this plant. The peanuts that make the grade are bagged and sent to manufacturers. Those that don't measure up undergo a process that's come a long way since Carver's day. Broken kernels, damaged kernels, small sizes are then sent to the crushing plant. There we process them for peanut oil and the balance being peanut meal. When Carver produced peanut oil in his lab more than a century ago, he boiled 25 pounds at a time and then extracted the oil by straining the mixture through cheesecloth. Today, the refineries steam heat the nuts and then put them through a mechanical press to extract most of the oil. At Golden Peanut, they press 350 tons of peanuts each day. Washington Carver's work with the peanut in the early 1900s became the foundation for a new science known as chemergy, the process of discovering industrial uses for agricultural products. Using peanuts, sweet potatoes, soybeans, and other crops, he literally planted the seed for technological innovations that would change the course of farming in the United States. Oh, what a great, great documentary we had on there with Doctor Doctor George Washington Carver, you know. Uh, you know, as I think about the great inventions that this man was a part of and what he had done, it just encouraged me. And I hope it encouraged you. You know, as we look around here, you know, we we as as a, a race of people, black people, we've done quite a bit. And guess what? The best is yet to come. You know, and so I'm going to uh, open up the phone lines here and welcome our guests aboard here and see what they comments and do they have a uh, something to say regarding the black history And uh, you know We say black history but I just like to say black history You know Because every day is, You know We're we writing our history right today We're writing our history right today Sometime later Somebody's going to look back over this time And say it was a little show That was broadcast every Saturday morning That encouraged me And now look what I'm doing You know I do juvenile ministry And I encourage our young men To uh, be successful in whatever they do You know our young men are very gifted and talented but yet they don't know how to do that. I'm trying to get them to harness that gift and talent to be, you know, to be engineers, to be scientists, even to be police officers and judges. They incarcerated, but, you know, you still could be a police officer. You still could be a judge. You still could be a detective. You still could be a counselor. You know, for what the devil meant for evil, God could turn around for good. We're going to go ahead and open up the phone lines here and just welcome our guests. We, next us you're here will be our uh, co-host here, Brother Daniels. So he'll be on the uh, good morning, Brother Daniel. Good morning, Reverend Lewis. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Welcome to the program, brother. We got the phone last and lit up here, but we're going to bring you on and see, uh, and just speak to you about our what our uh, program was about George Washington Carver. Did you enjoy that autobiography of Dr. Carter there? Yeah, I really enjoyed it, uh, Reverend Lewis, because I did some, some research on him a couple of years ago. And uh, he was a real, he was a real smart guy, man, you know, because uh, 
What he did, he need a, he, he used a natural product and made a whole lot of other things out of out of it, you know. And uh, he uh, he just he just used what God gave him. Yeah. And you know what, even though he yeah. saw that, you know, rotation, that's something that people know from farming, that you have to rotate the crops. But these people were so, they were so embedded with making money that they weren't thinking about the land and stuff. They just wanted to dress, yeah, you know, uh, cotton, cotton, cotton. So I watched Carl say, wait a you can't be doing it. But, you know, he actually saved a, a, a race of people from that tedious uh, labor, too, you know, thinking that's cotton. So uh, even though he uh, ushered in the peanut farm, he actually changed the mindsets of the uh of the farmers and that industry, you know. Yeah. And so he done it. That was a twofold. Yeah. That was a twofold. Yeah. He blessed the he blessed the yeah. country and saved a nation, man. All in yeah. all in that all in his gifting. And that's why I say help change a life. We never know what we could do to help change a life. Not so much as, you know, that we could change a life, but maybe you can get somebody to start thinking differently. Maybe you can get them to start acting yeah. different. You know? It ain't something the, you had done, but maybe you give them a thought pattern to, to be successful, man. And you change the life. Amen. And uh, you know, like uh, the Tuskegee Institute is a big time university, and uh, it has a lot of research facilities down there. And basically, uh, I think that's probably one of the main. Schools in the country. Uh, it's another one uh, that uh, I think it's Texas A&M. Yeah. Uh, they teach about agricultural stuff. You know, you know, you know when you remember when you were growing your garden and stuff like that, and you had to go talk to a couple of those uh, instructors and stuff. How they teach you how to. You know, we've having problems trying to grow cantaloupes and watermelons. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Are you right? I reached out to people over at Paul Quinn College. You know, Paul Quinn College is kind of oh, like cool. uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Texas A and M. You know, agricultural. They got rid of their football team and their athletic department. Man, they turned their field into a garden. Man, and they were blessed. And, and, you know, they were able to grow crops and teach other young men how to do it. Students, and then they actually had a garden. Uh, uh, let's see, they were selling their vegetables to the neighborhood, and so they actually were mm-hmm. able to produce vegetables there and sell them. To the community, man, and that's what I try to get our young men involved in. Now, the society mindset is shifting from uh, let's talk about marijuana. You know, marijuana is getting to be legal, and they allow people to grow it. And if our young people can say, "Wow, this stuff I used to be trying to grow and, and hide out, I, I could be, I could do a business now. I could get hired by somebody else just for my skill, and then I could go to school to learn how to, you know, do agricultural." Not necessarily grow marijuana every day, but just know how to grow vegetables. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the need for it around the world, man. You got to feed the world. There's people over in other parts yeah, of the country and, uh, and around the world that needs to know how to, uh, 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 you know, grow vegetables. And they need to know the soil yeah. content and the and the chemicals and stuff to go that makes up in those things. So, you know, I don't know anything about that, but somebody do it. You need to search that person out if that's what you want to do. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, last night I was talking about how, uh, you know, I I was listening to uh, how uh, Snoop Dogg and uh, I think Martha Stewart and Willie Nelson and all these people, uh, you know, they kind of use that, that drug 
And with them using it, they also have the money and the capital in order to start these uh, different projects and products. And somebody, I haven't really looked into it, but I have heard that uh, they got a lot of products around with their names on it, you know? Yeah, and, and that is so true. Hey, Brother Daniel, I got yeah. another call on the line here. We're going to bring him in here. This is uh, my dear brother Lewis here, and he's going to come in and he's going to share some things, and then we'll get back with you, okay? All right. Uh, just hold on now. Don't, don't hang up on me. Mr. Lewis. Mr. Lewis, welcome to our weekly internet program. Free on the inside. Good morning. Okay, we'll go ahead right here and listen in on the program. We're going to bring Mr. Daniel back in. Mr. Daniel, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, then Mr. Lewis is just listening for right now, so we'll just bring him back in here shortly. So, hey, brother, Dan, you know, this is a, we celebrate Black History Month, man. And, you know, you've been doing some poetry, and we got our, uh, uh, we got uh, one young lady that calls the show pretty regular, and uh, Miss Vera Squire. She wrote several books of poetry, and we're going to, uh, we're going to share some of those books coming up our last week, our last week of February, man, we're going to do live Black History. We're going to get some people that live this Black History, man, that's going to encourage us. Right now, we we are just doing the archives on Black History, but we want to do some live Black History here. So we're going to do some poetry. We're going to talk to some people that are, are doing community service, that's on the battlefield, trying to straighten this thing out, trying to continue to live out the legacy that Dr. Martin Luther King had established many years ago. But Miss Vera Squire wrote several books here, Black Gumbo, A City uh, in Ruins, about New York, uh, about uh, New Orleans, uh, The Healing of a City in Ruins, Black Gumbo, by Miss Vera Squire. Did she have another one? Uh, a short story about Eve. It was not an apple. Oh, that's a beautiful uh, writing there, beautiful, very gifted. And then her uh, a third book is a a a, a complete uh, a complete book of uh, let's see let me um, let me get it here I'm sorry I'm trying to do it off the top of my head a short story called uh, socks with holes in it poetry on life amen so we want to make sure that we get those books out there we're gonna get some we're gonna have some reading on those also we hope to get Miss mm. Miro here at uh, at the end of the month here so she can do some live. Rendition of her uh, of her poetry. Cause can't nobody do it like the one that that started out. So I would do it a disservice trying to share that. And so we're gonna get her mm. on here and just see if I. I think we have our guest back here. Uh, not a guest, but a one caller, Mr. Lewis. You on the net? Good morning, Mr. Lewis. Okay, so he's not ready yet. So all right, then, brother Daniel, you, know, you got anything for us this morning? As we pick it back off of Black History, we don't have to sell there, but I would like to continue that line of conversation. Hmm, I don't have too much today, Reverend Lewis. Uh, uh, basically, I was uh, talking about and listening to a lot of things that was happening uh, this week in the, in the news around in Dallas. Uh, uh we lost a couple of, you know, great performers. And, and uh, you know, you remember this guy, guy named Dennis Edwards? No, I, I, I can't recall. Yeah, he won the Temptations. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and talk about that. I know you brought him up last week. Go ahead and give us some insight on that. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he, uh, he died uh, last Friday. And uh, he's been ill for quite a time, you know. I think he had something like a meningitis. You know, like a meningitis is a virus. And it affects your spinal cord. All the way through your brain, all the way down to your spine. And, you know, like all viruses, when they attack your body, they're real hard to uh, cure because, you know, basically if you look at it, there's not too few uh, inoculations for viruses, you know. Most of the time it's mostly treatments. So, you know, he caught this virus and through the years you want to perform, you want to still be well, and at the same time you're fighting the illness. And basically time just basically caught up with him, you know. God called him home. But, uh, you know, uh, when I was growing up, uh, music business was real uh, competition. You know, you know, like you remember the story about the Temptations, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. You know, on, on, we had yeah. one guy could sing real good, but he got the big head. <laughs> he got the classical, the classical uh, form of having the big head. You know. Uh, you start making a little money, and then can't nobody tell you nothing. Yeah, yeah. And, that's you know, and then you start, doing, you start doing other things and uh, extracurricular activity in your career. And what happens is start eroding you from the inside, you know. You start yeah. being a, can't nobody tell you nothing. You think you were live for the party. You are Mr. Know-it-all. And basically, uh, a lot of people around each other didn't don't like you. They don't really want to tell you they don't like you, but they keep you to themselves. But at the same time, you start being a eyesore. Mm-hmm. And so, people from the inside start working on a way to try to get rid of you. In fact, you can look at it. We got one guy right now playing with our football team. You know about him, don't you? Yeah, yeah, it's I know. Same that. thing, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you what, Brother Daniel, yeah. we got a, uh, a, the phone line is lighting up here, bro. We're going to try to bring in some more again. But before we do that, man, we're going to play some uh, more of our archives uh, uh, from our archives regarding our black history. We're going to talk about Dick Gregory, man. You know, Dick Gregory was awesome, man. I would see him a couple of times. Dick Gregory, when you t- when you listen to him, you be on fire, bro. And so we're going to bring in some extra from brother uh, from Mr. Dick Gregory and, and try to fire ourselves up, okay? Okay. Just kick back and relax, and we'll be back with you shortly. You have to put something in the water to uh, get a dog or a cat. You put the water down, they don't drink it. There's something wrong with it. See, a dog or a cat. And, and this is the song the talking with Jimmy Jones. When they said Jimmy Jones and the people was drinking the Kool-Aid with the sign out in it, and the cats and the dogs was dead, a dog would not drink straight Kool-Aid unless long Kool-Aid with cyanide in it. Okay. If you take water out the tap, not just so happen chlorine and fluorine is a gas, all gas moved to a high level. And so there's a period when the, when the dog or the cat will come and drink the water. But I would say don't drink the steel water unless you're on a fast, because steel water will rob your body of minerals. Don't drink 
radioactive. But spring water is the water to drink. That's number one. The body's 97% liquid, and out of that, it's 85% water. Alzheimer's disease comes from lack of drinking water. The lower back problems we have come from lack of drinking water. Gallstones and kidney stones come from lack of drinking water. And then again, if someone come and told you to drink clean water, even if what they said was wrong, if it didn't do nothing for you, it's not going to do nothing against you. You have not put anything in your body that would create any type of problem. Number two, physical fitness. And, and we as African Americans have to stop looking at physical fitness as some game. But to stop looking at it as some age, as some sex. Every black person, regardless of how old they are or how young they are, babies get there. They move around in the crib. They you know, do their thing. And so we got drinking water, physical fitness, and sleep. And I, if I had to rearrange that, I would probably put sleep first. Rest. One of the big horrors, particularly in the black community, it happens all over. It's like a rest. The body, the brain, nine minutes after the sun go down, the radiation belt in the atmosphere do a flip-flop. And it recharges the brain. And all the sleep you get after midnight don't count. That's what the story Cinderella's about. And so for those of you out there that's listening to me, try it. And usually, you say seven days. Let me tell you how you drink your water. When you start drinking water, when you're not used to drinking water, you're going to go to the bathroom a lot if you have a job. And God didn't leave leeway for jobs. You know, Jesus Christ is God's son. Jesus didn't work. You know, if you look at all the rich, rich, super rich people, Prince Charles, they never had a job. And Queen Elizabeth, I don't think he even know how to spell it. You know, and I believe every day, if you went to Buckingham Palace and took every dictionary they had, I do not believe they put the word job in there or work. And so... When you, you look and say, well, I can't do this because I have to work, That's, the universe will not bend over for you. Now, you get up in the morning, the minute you get up, you drink a glass of water. If you're not driving over long periods of time, we're going to need to go to the toilet, drink two glasses of water. When you get to wherever you're going between that time and 11 o'clock, drink two more. Now, you got the rest of the day to drink the other four. Now, here's a simple law. Would a, would a, a six-month-old baby... Uh, drink a glass of water? No. Mothers give babies water by ounces. X amount of ounces. Well, the real game is we just say eight, eight-ounce glasses of water. Whatever you weigh in pounds, you're supposed to drink half that in ounces. If you weigh 200 pounds, you're supposed to drink 600 ounces of water. If you weigh 1,000 pounds, you're supposed to drink 500 ounces of water. Now, let me tell you how water works. If I held up, if this was a piece of cloth and I held it here, and I gave you a sharp hatchet, and you hit this cloth, you would tear it. If I put this cloth in a bathtub of water and you hit it, you couldn't tear it. It's closer to what? The body's the same way. If you fall, if you're injured, if you're in an automobile accident, if you, this is why babies can fall out windows. We read about it all the time. And don't die because the water balance is there. Okay, and rest, rest. Even when you're not sleeping, rest, rest. Rest. And when I'm talking about rest, I'm not talking about on the phone talking. I'm talking about taking some time out every day where you just close the system down. A minute, five minutes, ten minutes, just close it down. And it rejuvenates the body. And so now we're talking about sleep and rest. We're talking about water and we're talking about physical fitness. Now, jogging is not physical fitness. Weightlifting is not physical fitness. Physical fitness is first your heel got to touch the ground. So if you're on a bicycle, that don't count. 
If you're walking up steps, that don't count. The heel got to touch the ground. If you're running, what is running? When both your feet is off the ground at the same time, it could be one tenth billionth of a second that's running. And what happens then? Because of gravity pull, anytime both your feet is off the ground at the same time, which is called running, when your legs, when your feet hit, it sends two and a half times your body's weight up your legs to your knees, up to the spine, and sends shock waves to the brain, which damage it. And so walking, walking. Now, walking in the evening don't count. In the morning, when you lay down in bed and go to sleep, the, the grease in your bloodstream comes up to the top. If you go out and walk vigorously, don't start off that way. But you have to walk to the point that you're just tired and sweating and all you push all of that. Now, what you will notice if, well, even joggers, if joggers go out and run the day they take off, they get very irritable around 10 o'clock. That's when that grease starts moving back into the bloodstream. And so the three things is rest. And, 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 and you see, one of the great tricks, it's funny, everybody, that everybody working two jobs except the people that control. They don't work two jobs. Three jobs, four jobs, a job and something on the side. It's not about that. Show me somebody that has two jobs. I'll show you somebody that has no money. They don't. I mean, that's a game they play. I mean, some kind of way we have to redo our priorities. And we have to say, wait to the system. It's, you know, it's about my health. It's about my love, it's about my kindness, it's about my gentleness. And those three things, you'll see a difference in seven days. Now, how do you get into the physical fitness? Well, I can't do it. I got a bad leg. Then walk bad. I told you there was $20 million worth of gold over there. And every morning, if you walk two miles, you could get it. Bad leg, folks, everybody be out there walking. So what do you have to do is start slow. Start five minutes. Um, and then after a week or three days. The problem you have, someone hear this and say, he's right, I got to do it. And they go out and haul, get some breaks and don't. You know, when you get through, then do your physical fitness. Do your physical fitness. Uh, I say to people who haven't trained, you out there that's 80 years old, 60, 40, been out of high school 20 years, haven't physical stand in the mirror when you do your physical fitness naked. Why did I say naked? Hey, if you had clothes on, you turn physical and you hear something go zoop. He said, oh, I tore my shirt. If you're naked and hear something go zoop, you know that's you. And the minute you feel something, that's God saying stop. Stop. It heal. The minute you feel it, stop. Don't push it. And once that heals, go back. And, 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 and that's all I can say. Water, physical fitness, and rest. And if you said four, it'd be the diet. Uh, very important. And when we talk about water, Kool-Aid don't count, lemonade don't count, orange juice don't count, fresh grapefruit juice don't count. Why? Because they have to go through the digestive system. Water goes directly into the system and starts purifying the system, and also it cools. It cools the body. It's your cooling system. One of the problems we have, you know, can you imagine every year, every... Look, we all know we should save and invest. But most of us don't. So to make it easier for you, we created Stash. Let's say each week you take $5. All right. Well, some great, that's some great information, isn't it? From uh, uh, Dick Gregory, you know, I, I went to see him once before when he was, used to be on the speaking circuit. He's no longer with us now. But he gave us some great information regarding taking care of yourself. You know, we do a lot of things. I'm talking about us as a society, but, you know, you got to have some rest. Dick Gregory said, get, some, get you some rest, drink you some water, do you some exercise. You know, the part of the guy, he said, you know, get the, do your exercise in the mirror. 
where everything is exposed just to see how things are going. And if you get to a point where it's just uncomfortable, stop. You know, that's the, that's the word for the day. Sometimes we, sometimes, no matter what we do, sometimes things are uncomfortable. Relationships, sometimes they're uncomfortable if they are, stop it. So finances start hurting you. If it's uncomfortable, stop it. <laughs> you know, I love that. We go over the line up here. We got Mr. Lewis back on line. I love Mr. Lewis. I want to hear from him this morning. And just to see what he had to say, because we get ready to wind down this program. Good morning, there, Mr. Lewis. You're on the net. Good morning. All right, then, so we don't have him. And I guess he just want to listen this morning. That's okay. Uh, we're welcome to the program. Thank you for being a part of it. We're going to get Brother Daniel on here before we get out of here this morning. Mr. Daniel. Yeah. All right, then. What do you think about that little old short uh, a word of encouragement from Mr. Dick Gregory? Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. He was, he was like a scientist. Yes, he was, you know. And you know what? He told things like it was. You know, I, I went to see him. I, I mentioned it earlier, and I went to see him some time ago, or many, many years ago, brother, and, and it was great. It was a great little old show. And, you know, brother, Daniel, when I was, like, young, I tried to be involved in these type programs and, uh, you know, try to keep up with what's going on in black history, black society. We came off the end of uh, the civil rights movement there, you know, where we were just getting the right to vote. Believe it or not, back in 1960. Uh, Eight that I can remember, six, eight, six, nine, they were giving black people the right to vote. And a lot of places we couldn't go places because we didn't know. We, cause we lived in a, in a segregated neighborhood, and we just thought things were the way they was, you know. You remember how it is when we grew up, man? We had everything we needed in our little area there, man. We had barbershops. We had laundry mats. We had stores. And, you know, from one end of the community to the other, that was a black store, you know. And that was a, you know, we had pool halls. We had liquor stores. We had uh Laundry mats, everything. Now, you know, we thought that's the way the world was until we got outside our little circle, until we went to college. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Say, wait a minute. This ain't like my neighborhood. I see somebody in there that ain't smiling at me, somebody telling me that I don't have enough money. You know, hey, I'm on a, short, a six cent. Well, you can't buy that because you ain't got enough money. What you mean? I mm. remember guys in our neighborhood would let us go, you know, because they knew we were coming back because they valued our business. And, you know, yep. and now people... They they want your business, but they don't value you, man. You go places now, they don't value, and, and, and they don't value man. You you buy something, you walk out the store and say, oh, this is the wrong brand. You walk back in the store and say, oh, I'm sorry. No exchange, no return. Hey, bro, I just walked <laughs> out the store. Well, you know, that's so yeah. that, Then you say, I ain't coming back. They say, well, I don't care. I don't care if you ever come back. I got your money now. I don't want you anymore. And if we start you. holding them people accountable, man, these little vendors, and we start holding them accountable, man, they, they will change. And that's the purpose of Black History Month, man, to bring back to our remembrance, man. Sometimes we take these things lightly, Ricky. You know, I love everybody, man, but the, uh, but uh, uh, society and the laws and something still are, are one-sided, man. But we that know yeah. better should do better. Well, well, my opinion really is that we brought a lot of people over here that really didn't originate over here. So basically they don't know anything about us. And they don't really uh they don't uh, feel feel your need or sympathize with you. You know? Yeah. And, 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 and you that's bring them over here they just wanna take and grab. Take and grab and run. 
They don't have a. I I I, I could say it's just like a person to get on the football team, and then they start making money. And then you want to get traded. They have to get traded. You know. You don't have a, a loyalty. That's what I say it is. It's a loyalty. You have to be loyal to the people that you came up with. And you know, and, and they don't. And you, know, and, and you said something there, Ricky. You know, if you could say it in another way, just say respect. You just have to respect, respect. the people that you know. You know, and and a lot of people just don't see that, man. They don't see that, brother Daniel. As we get ready to wind down this program, bro, we got less than uh, ten minutes here. I want to thank you once again for being a co-host on the program. It never could be what it is without you. You lending your voice to the program here, and as we continue. I will uh, honor for uh, the month of February for Black History Month. We're going to continue to play some excerpts from our archives of our black history, the patriarchs that went before us. And uh, and, and uh, we're going to talk to some living legends, too, if we can uh, round them up here. So we're looking forward to that, some black poetry and all those things, man. Because to me, black history mm-hmm. is every day. Every day, you know, yeah. black history, man, but a society as a whole. Don't, and you know, and I will, I'm going back to young people. Young people don't see the value of it. A lot of them grew up in a time where they could just have anything they want and do anything they want. And we know that having everything and doing everything ain't always the right thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Having everything is really sometimes a curse. Um, yes, fact, yes, it is. You know, I, I know a lot of people that when they get a little money, they seem like it. They get seem to get spoiled. Or just, you, know, you know, then we talk back to this thing about having a big head. You know, in fact, uh, uh, did you hear this interview that they said about our brother named? Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Quincy Jones. Uh, no. Have you heard anything about that this week? Oh uh, man, you don't want well, to. We're not going to really yeah, go into detail of what's going on with around with what yeah, Ricky, you heard. You, but, you know, yeah, people say you know, stuff about a it. A lot don't. of people say things when they get older. They don't really mean to say things, you know, and. Uh, at the time when you doing wrong with everybody else, uh, and then you the last man standing, it's kind of it's kind of hard for people really to understand how can you really fix your mouth to say something about somebody. I just leave yeah. it like hey, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, hey, now, now tell me now, what a black person, male or female, that made an impact on your life as you was growing up. Besides your father, we know fathers have an impact on their life. So well, a person that you, say, that, that you say, hey, man, these person made an impact on my life, and I, and I wanted to get some of uh, uh, their persona. I wanted to have some of their gifting. Was it in a well, book, a person that live? What? And we're talking about black history now. Somebody made a difference in okay, your life. Okay, now we're talking about black history now. Well, well, the part of what he lost, like when you and me were growing up, we didn't have really uh, any uh, people over us that really could speak their minds. So I would say Mohammed Ali was one of the biggest influence for, of me when I was growing up because 
He was a great athlete. He was a brave man because he did something and he stood up for what he believed in. But at the same time, he spoke the truth. You know, and then when he spoke the truth and he made predictions, they came true. You know, so he walked and walked and talked to talk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. A lot of, a lot of black men back in that day, they basically they said one thing and then eat something else, or they fail, and then they got back up. You know. And, 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 you know, I, I, we get ready to close out on that note, there, brother. But I recall when I was in high school and I first was uh, was aware of black history there, and we, uh, our teacher used to get us books, man, and I remember we had uh, did a book on Charles Baldwin, man. And, and I thought, man, that was fascinating for him to write something like that. Then we went to see uh, a movie, I think it was by him, but someone called uh, Sounder, I think is what it was. And they were talking about black sharecroppers and, and the life of this family, man, how they were doing the ups and downs. And, and it, like, really wrenched my heart because here I am. I know it's something out there, man, but my mother and my father had isolated me from that, man. But I knew that there was certain places I couldn't go and there were certain things that I couldn't do. And I wanted to kind of break that barrier, man, to get ahead of things. That's why I wanted to go to college, man, to learn as much as I can to help change lives. That's why I'm interested in teaching other young men the little gifting that I have and the little talents that I have. That's why I'm in, uh, you know, because someone did it for me, man. I remember when uh, I was in Boy Scout, man, we had we had a Boy Scout when I was young. We had young, we had men that was over the little uh, scouts that were scout leaders, man, and they were honest men. They wasn't, they wasn't attacking little kids and stuff. Man, they were teaching us crafts skill. They said, young man, this is what you do. You become a man, you know. You learn to be courteous and kind and you take care of your family and you learn your skill, man, and you honor the people that God put into your life. And I remember that, man. That's why today I try to do the best I can, even though society don't accept it and don't appreciate it. I do the best I can. Brother Daniel, we're going to get on out of here, man. We got one more set of, we're going to do something else before we get out of here. We got this young lady that's giving us a poetry. She, they said she's seven years old. And so we're going to end on that note there. Thank you for listening to another episode of Free on the Inside. Kick back and relax and enjoy this. In my stomach for like 20 minutes a day. So after, in there. Oh, well, she was kicking and screaming in there. It feels like it, but and then as she came out, we just exposed her to a lot of sight words, a lot of language. Like our bathroom is filled with sight words on our wall. So just constantly feeding her into phonics and words and lips. Yes, that is so smart because a lot of times, I mean, I have kids that are in elementary school, but they give them the sight words in pre-K. But you already way ahead. Of, how proud of you, of uh, her? Extremely. Yeah. Wow. How long did it take for her to memorize? This poem. How long did it take you, Peyton? A week. A, a week? week? <laughs> you learned it in a week? Yeah. Can you teach me how to learn something in a week? No. <laughs> no. Do you, can you perform for us? Yeah. Are you ready? You ready? Okay, we're going to let you take okay. the stage. All right, go on there. Oh, her dramatic walk <laughs> to the microphone. <laughs> Go.
to learn, if you try to learn, what you can learn. Hey, black shell, do you know you are strong? I mean, really strong. Do you know you can do what you want to do? If you try to do what you can do. Hey, black shell, be what you can be. Learn what you must learn. Do what you can do. And tomorrow. We gonna close out with that young with that young lady. They said she's seven years old. She was doing that rendition of a black poem, saying, "Hey, black child, you can be who you wanna be, do what you wanna do, go where you wanna go." That is a closing words for today. Be all you could be in Christ Jesus. You're listening to Free on the Inside. Your host, Minister Joy Lewis, co-host, Brother Richard Daniel. We're getting ready to get on out of here, but we're looking forward to you joining us once again at the appointed time every Saturday morning from 8 to 9. We are dedicating this month, February, is Black History Month. We are doing some uh, documentary on our, our past patriarchs to encourage us to be strong in the law, and we're going to wind up with some current people that toward the end of the month, if Lord allows us to. But I'd love for you to call in and voice your opinion regarding uh, some things that you uh, 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 that encourage you during Black History Month. You know, God, I want to hear from you, too. Why you do what you do? But you want to do it into the Lord. As we get ready to get on out of here, we want to thank you once again for tuning in to uh, Free on the Inside. This show is hosted and sponsored by Granny's Place Ministry, a nonprofit ministry and meeting the needs of our at-risk young men and women. And Granny's Place Ministry website is grannyplaceministry.org. You, too, could be a part of what's going on in Granny's Place Ministry. And so uh, check it out, check it out, check it out. Uh, as we get ready to get on out of here, we'd like to just thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Help change your life in Jesus' name. Gracious and heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for another day. Dear Lord, we thank you for the patriarchs, dear Lord, that went before us, dear Lord, the ones, dear Lord, that allowed us to do what we do for the Lord, dear Lord, the ones that, 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 that standing out on your word and your word alone, dear Lord. We want to thank, thank them, dear Lord, and let us not lose of faith and vision and hope for what's going on, dear Lord. Let us be able to apply our gift and our talent to help bring about the true meaning of life. And that's to, to love God and to love brothers as ourselves. Love God all our heart and all our soul and love our brothers as ourselves. Dear Lord, as we get ready to get out of here, we ask you to watch over each and every one of the listening uh, audience and, and allow them, dear Lord, to be all they could be in Christ Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.